If you've invested in your business, chances are you've funded future growth potential through leverage and after filling out loan applications and undergoing credit checks. In the stock market, using debt is often called gearing. The new BetaShares Wealth Builder Funds, ASX ticker symbols G200 and GHHF, offer moderate gearing across Australian and global shares for investors who are comfortable with the higher risks associated with gearing their investments. You can discover how they work by visiting betashares.com.au. Please don't forget that gearing magnifies gains and losses, so read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Welcome to the Australian Business Podcast. I'm Daniel Golubev. I'm Jordan Kittis. I'm Owen Rask. We're here to help you make more profit, find work-life balance, save time, capital, and grow your business. Every week, we drop the best tax tips, marketing hacks, growth strategies, and methods to help you grow. If you haven't already, take the free Rask Business Course. Book a chat with me or Daniel at Grayspace. Or get in contact with us about business coaching. We also love hearing from you. So send us your questions and feedback using the resources found in the podcast player for each episode. Let's get into it. Daniel, we're back. Episode three of the mini, the structuring mini series. I so like these. They're good. They're good. We've done Soul Trader. Soul Trader was the first one. Then Soul Trader times two was the second one, which is partnerships and joint ventures. JVs. Touched on those. We did. And then today, well, and today we're going to be talking about trusts. It's always a fun topic. A oh, very interesting topic, <laughs> especially now. There's a section section one hundred A which is happening, but. Well, we'll touch on that briefly. Yeah, we'll touch on it. But, you know, if you want to sit here and learn the details of it, you're probably going to need a two-hour seminar yeah. from a tax lawyer to, to help you understand it because I can guarantee you there's a lot of accountants out there that still yeah, for sure. haven't really grasped it. Um, the, the, very yeah. loose piece of legislation. For sure. So t- today's goal is just to give everyone a, a really good overview. We'll touch on the different types of trusts um, and how they can be used, what structures they can be used in. Can we use them as investments? So we'll just give it a really good overview, holistic overview of all of them. And we won't dive too deep because like Daniel said, it could be two hours, it could be two days, it could be two weeks. The, Take a pick. Yeah. So I guess to, to start, trust. What's a trust? There's a few different ways you can define a trust. The way I like to sort of explain it in layman's is that it's more or less a vehicle mm-hmm. that's a contract, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's an agreement, a contract of some sort that can act as a vehicle for a purpose, whether it's a business, whether it's holding you know property as in any type of asset. Um, that's probably the simple way of what describing it. What about the it. textbook way of describing it? <laughs> I'll let you read it out. I don't know. <laughs> so a trust is a legal structure where assets are held by a trustee for the benefit of specified individuals or entities known as beneficiaries. The trustee is responsible for managing and distributing the assets in accordance with the terms outlined in the trust deed. So that's the proper definition. Mm. <laughs> so I guess to let's let's break that down even further. So what is a, a trustee? A trustee? A yep. trustee is the in quotation marks here, the director. Mm. of a trust they're calling the shots they're calling the shots they're responsible they've got a set of you know guidelines that they need to sort of appear to and and look after the trust on behalf of its beneficiaries most of the time the trustee is 
one of the specified beneficiaries of a trust. So usually the the goals are aligned of the trustee and the beneficiaries. So they, they, they need to look after the trust as best they can to ensure the beneficiaries are getting sort of the most they can out of it. And in, in terms of beneficiaries, what's a beneficiary? <laughs> it's more or less anyone that's beneficially sort of beneficially entitled mm. to a set of funds of some sort. Yep. And that can be an individual or it can be another entity as well. Yep. So it can be a company, another trust. These structures can get very elaborate sometimes. So just to keep things basic, think of it as a company can be distributed money or an individual. Yeah, more or less any entity type. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and they're, as they're classified as, can, as the beneficiaries. That's right. As long as you can prove sort of that beneficial entitlement, mm. um, which is more or less someone that's sort of either derived or is supposed to receive a product um, or a dividend of some sort of sort of more or less any, anything, that's where it sort of – that's where the tricky part, I suppose, lays is sort of determining who is beneficially entitled to how much, how is it calculated, who determines that component. That's right. That's right. So there's a – like we said at the start, there's so many different types of trusts. Um, we'll go over a few of them today. The first one, and it's probably one of the most common, if not the most co- common, would be a discretionary trust. Mm-hmm. So a discretionary trust – is where the trustee has the discretion to distribute income and capital among beneficiaries as they see fit. So what that essentially means is that that example that we used before, the, the trustee is the boss or they're in charge of where the income is going. Now on that definition, it talks about income um, and capital among beneficiaries. Do you wanna just touch on the difference between what that means exactly? So income versus capital and how that can be distributed to different people or entities? Yeah, so the income component is simply the, call it a dividend, right? Let's use from the investment definitions, you yep. know, call it the dividend that someone is entitled to based on sort of call it, because it's discretionary trust, it's completely up to the discretion of the trustee in quotation marks, their portion of it, right? Capital is more or less like what you're owning and the percentage of ownership that you have over the, call it an asset, right? So, for example, me and you might be, you know, beneficiaries of a trust. And initially we, you contributed, call it 50,000 and I contributed 20,000. Your beneficial entitlement should be more than mine because your contribution of that capital to purchase the asset was bigger than mine. Therefore, the capital allocation should be granted more in your favor mm. than mine. It's not like a like a, a dividend, like a shareholders agreement where it's specified as a percentage. This is completely discretionary and worked out by the trustee at the time. Yep. So it's it's less formal. Yep. For sure. And it, it the the reason trusts are utilized the most is because of their ability um, to be used for tax planning for inverted commas, strategic income distribution. Now, although yes, this is rapidly changing and ever evolving because of a new section in the act called section 100A. Now, we're not gonna go over that today, but what they're trying to do in in, in summary is what they're trying to do there is stop people allocating money where there's been no, I guess, exertion for that money. Yeah, or or any type of sort of Sort of anything really, like for example, like I think adult kids is the reason this got involved yeah. and sort of that's the biggest sort of controversial point because if it's done via sort of normal family dealings and all these definitions sort of get thrown about, which are so loose. Yeah. Um, that's where it gets really, really tricky and sort of at what point do adult kids be 
beneficially entitled to some of the parents' funds? You know, are they paying for school? Are they paying for cars? Are they doing sort of other things within normal sort of family dealings? It that's where it gets tricky. Yeah. Um, well, I've actually gotten a, a, a pretty basic example. Yeah, cool. After as well that we'll sort of touch into sort of where you know these savings can occur mm. without even sort of considering hundred eight because they're completely sort of yeah um, generic. Call it generic and basic. Yeah, um, I'm yet to see a trust that is treated exactly like this. Yeah, because the purpose of the trust is for flexibility, for flexibility, so that we can help you maximize your tax savings appropriately. So it's not like with the, with a shareholding, regardless if it's, let's say, call it husband and wife, one's working, one's not working, but the shareholding is 100% to the husband, then all the dividends are distributed to the husband, 100% of it, even if he's in the top tax bracket. With a trust, that dividend is then sent Call it this discretionary trust. Let's say on that example, yes. the husband's on 180 grand. Yep. The wife is stay-at-home mum. Yep. Zero. Yep. Part two. Ideally, and if we're not sort of pushing any boundaries here, that th- those funds are generally used to the family, right? If there's only if there's a single income earner. Yep. Those funds are generally spent between the family, usually 50-50. So the dividend, if there's a dividend distributed, should be split 50-50. So straight away, there's there's usually a, a pretty significant sort of tax advantage. Jordan's prying. I can feel him prying. So I'm going to run through the calculation now <laughs> before he keeps pushing these boundaries. Again, so, again, we're just showing the example of how a trust can be used, um, not taking into account se- these these new sections. We can do a whole episode on Section 100A, um, but it, it'll be very bland and boring. We just want to really highlight how funds can be pushed around using trusts. Yeah, so this is again- Full caveat. Yeah, yeah, for really basic scenario. So yep. this is a family, we've got one that works full-time, partner one, and partner two works part-time, right? So partner one, I've got a $90,000 gross salary. Yep. And partner two has a $30,000 gross salary. So a household income of about 120,000, which is probably about average in Australia right now, maybe slightly higher. But, but let me play the scenario out. 90,000 gross salary, there's about $21,517 of tax. The net pocketed amount for the year is 68,483. Partner, 30,000 gross salary. The tax component is 2,114. So you're pocketing 27,886. Now let's say there's been a trust, a family trust, a discretionary trust set up for this family. There's an investment call a commercial property and the net distributable sort of profit is $20,000. If it was just held in the main income earner's name and all profits paid to the main income earner, call it $20,000, there's an additional tax bill of $6,900 on that $20,000. So after we add the extra income, deduct the extra tax that you're paying, the household income sort of collected in pocket is about 109,469, right? Which is still quite good. Mm. So let's replay the scenario in exactly the same component, 90,000, 30,000. Just as a reminder, the net amount here is 68,483 for partner one and 27,886 for partner two. In this scenario, we've got a family trust, discretionary trust. 
and we're actually paying $10,000 each to each partner. So the additional tax here is 3,450 for partner one and 2,253 for partner two, so it's significantly less. In this scenario, the combined net pay is 110,666. So that gives us a saving of 1,197 per year. Now multiply this benefit over 10 years. Yeah. That's just under $12,000. And this is a little scenario of where this plays out. And this is completely, you know, making assumptions without running calculations on, on beneficial entitlement. Because we, if we can prove that there's a greater beneficial entitlement to partner two, then we can distribute more to partner two and utilize lower tax brackets. Yep, and that's where that really strategic planning comes involved. And it's not as simple as, oh, just transfer everything across. Because no, because we still need to determine beneficial entitlement. But a very simple example of how a trust can be utilized without sort of any calculation, real simple format, and still save thousands of dollars over the life of your investment. Yeah, for sure. And on so so that's what a, a discretionary trust is and essentially how it works. The second, I guess you can say the second most common trust that we would see is a unit trust. Mm-hmm. So a unit trust is a bit different where uh, the that first example that Daniel just gave, you can push the money or distribute the money wherever you'd like, essentially. With a unit trust, it's a little bit different. So it's essentially divided into units. The same, I guess, rationale besides the same rationale as to how a company would work. A mm-hmm. company has shares. It's very similar where um, there's a division of trust property, they call it, into units, and each unit is held by a unit holder. So you don't, with a, a, a unit trust, you don't have that same flexibility as you would with a discretionary trust because once it's set up, it's said and done is what it is. Yeah, so you see unit trusts used a bit more with non-related parties, mm. right? So if it's not like a family or if it's not like contributing to a household income altogether, then it's, uh, it, it becomes more a lot more appropriate because then you know what your fixed more or less sort of Entitled. returns are. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you still get the benefits of the trust. You still have that vehicle that's investing for you, but you're not losing potential capital, you're not losing potential income if the trustee decides that there's a better fit for it. It's less flex- It's less flexible, but there's a reason for that because there might be your share that you don't want to be flexible on. Like yeah. It's your share of a, you know, call it a, an investing syndicate almost. Exactly, exactly. And again, it's these are these are the two most common. The mm-hmm. next the next one being a hybrid trust. You don't see it often because it's very like use case specific. Um so what a hybrid trust is, is it combines elements of that discretionary trust and the unit trusts and it gives you a, a middle ground where there is a bit of flexibility, yet there's also structure to it as well. So again, you don't see them that often but they're, they're customized for very specific business situations um, or investment object- objectives. So an example of that is you may wanna, from an investment perspective, if you're using this trust to hold shares or some type of investment asset, and you can have different holding types. So one holding type could receive um, revenue, call it revenue account income being dividends or whatever that may be. And then the other, um, the other portion of that trust, whether it's a unit or the discretionary portion, can be used to distribute capital. So very specific. You don't really see that that often, in term, especially in terms of the business scenarios. Maybe more so in investment, 
I guess, but not, not really. I, I don't know. I can't say I've seen one that's been sort of. I think I've, uh, to be fair, I, I think I've worked on one. Mm. I don't seen it for investment purposes. Yeah. I, and it was for an investment yeah. purpose. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think a key area of that is, let's say, for example, you know, someone wants to put a lot of capital up front, but then do no work. Yeah. And then other people are just going to jump on board and do a lot of the, maybe some of the back end work that's involved, R&Ds, whatever it may be. Um, and then receive like a portion of something. Then there's different allocations of, call it units or, or beneficial entitlement that is clearly stated by sort of a custom deed. Yep. Um, and they're usually created by a solicitor at that point in time where all parties will sit down, yeah. specify what is needed, and uh, a solicitor will draw up a custom mm. sort of hybrid deed for this particular vehicle. And you've got to remember, trusts are just contracts. Yeah. Discretionary unit sort of trusts there. Like a generic contract, you can call it an employment contract. You can download, you know, follows you, you know, your basic guidelines, and then like your hybrid trusts are like your, um, you know, heading into sweat equity ownership of a small business, and you like know, the ESOP type of thing. Correct. Getting a bit more detailed. Correct, and it, it gets a lot more complex. There's a few things to consider. There's, you know, call it investment dates, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yep. That's where it gets far more custom, and you can't apply the same hybrid trust rules to. Unless any other hybrid trust. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And the last trust that we're going to touch on today is a fixed trust. And the fixed trust and the unit trust are different. Um, so in a fixed trust, the entitlements of the beneficiaries, they're fixed and predetermined. And it's usually based off what's in the deed. And how that's a bit different to the unit trust is the unit trust is based off units. Whereas for the fixed trust, there could be theory behind that. So X, Y, and Z has to happen and so-and-so will be distributed it's more theory as opposed to just unit holding is done and that's it. That's what you're going to get and that's what you're entitled to. Again, it's not too common, more so for investment purposes. Um, the main things that we see in general practice are discretionary trusts and unit trusts. And on that, discretionary trusts are often referred to as family trusts. That's what we call them in practice. And most people, um, the discretionary trust is and a family trust essentially the same thing. Yeah, it's just the... When you're sort of doing a discretion a discretionary trust, you, you generally tick the family trust election. Yeah. Just yep. sort of done and once. That, and again, it's it's to provide you with those tax advantages, help with estate planning, um, and to protect family wealth. And it allows wealth transfer as well. Mm -hmm. But again, all of these things have their own tax implications and and whatnot. So just to, to keep things high level. Um, in terms of this isn't in our notes, but in terms of setting up business structures, mm -hmm. what can why would someone set up a business structure? In a trust, or what? Why would you do that as opposed to? So you're up referring a to like trading out of a trust. Trading out of a trust. Yeah, and it, look, there's no right or wrong. Every scenario is different, yeah. but let's just you, Daniel, pick the example, and we can run through it. Yeah, I think the most common reason, or the only reason I would personally recommend trading out of a trust, is for the capital gains tax. Yeah, if for you're sure. If you're building a business that is sellable in nature, so for example, a mortgage broker is a really good example because they build a book, they have their trail that continually sort of gets paid on each loan, that's worth a certain amount of dollars. That's a really good option to trade out of a trust because when you sell it, you get your 50% CGT discount as you would for any other sort of investment asset you hold in your personal name. So when you do it out of a company, you don't get that 50% discount. Pay tax on the whole amount. There's other sort of exemptions for CGT with, yep. with small businesses, not including any of that, but basic, basic. terms. You get that 50% discount with a trust, no questions asked, as long as you hold it for over 12 months, which very hard to build value in any type of business in less than 12 months anyway. So yep. 
that that's generally the only reason. Yeah. If, if you want my honest opinion, I would recommend it is if you're actually building that sellable product. Otherwise, I'd, I usually send it to company for trading. And I use the trust as an investment vehicle for the private entity. For sure. Where you purchase the shares of your company using your family trust. That's probably uh, the most common structure that we use for small businesses that yeah. isn't too sort of complex. It's trading company and a family trust holding the shares. And that again, you're, especially if you're the main income earner, which a lot of business owners sort of are, and, you know, the partners help out in the business, whether it's process pay runs, pay some bills, run some errands. When those dividends are paid down, you're allowed to distribute to your partner in that sense because there's there's a beneficial entitlement. If the money is especially being deposited into a joint account to then pay the mortgage that you own 50-50, yeah. then there's a clear beneficial entitlement to half of those funds at a minimum, yeah. let alone all the extra work that has happened in the back end and the sacrifice and all the other things. Like You take that into account in sort of the, the normal family dealings there. So that's why we recommend having that family trust provides that flexibility of spreading the load. Yeah, that's right. Spot on. And I think it's really important to, um, if when setting up as a business, like there's got to be a really strong intent that you're going to sell that business. Otherwise, like you said, company, because you don't get any of the limited liability with the trust. Corporate trustee. Corporate trustee, corporate, yeah. Corporate trustee can provide a little bit. What's a corporate trustee? It, so that's when the trustee, yep. rather than it being a person, it's a company. Mm -hmm. And then the director of that company ends up being sort of the person or the individual in charge of that trust. Yep. And that provides a little bit extra protection down that yep. sort of limited liability component. Yep. Um, yeah, so that's in terms of business structures, if you've got a, if it's something that's going to be sellable and there's a strong intent to sell, that's when we use it to, to set up. Otherwise, it's used when we're setting up a company structure where the trust, family trust, discretionary trust, unit trust, whatever trust it may be, is going to hold the shares to that company. So that way it gives you the best of both worlds. Yeah. Besides the CGT discount, capital gains tax yeah. discount. So we spoke briefly about the the trustee responsibilities and I guess where they they click in. But what does that that trustee need to do every year? Is there something that needs to be done every year? Yeah, well, they're they're in charge of like the simple things, right? So every year before thirty June, they need to do what's called a trust minute dis, uh, distribution document, which is a letter that we prepare. We speak to the trustee. You know, what's the distributions like this year? Who's beneficially entitled to what? And we work out the percentages, they sign it, send it back, that's sorted. They're responsible for making sure that the trust is compliant, meaning that you're lodging your tax returns, doing financials if necessary, and the distributions are being actioned in the back end. Yeah, so yeah. it's all the simple things a lot of the time. Um, make sure the funds are being looked after properly. There's no um, sort of unethical transactions occurring using trust funds. It's, it's all the simple stuff that most people do anyway because it's their money. Yeah, that's right. That's right. They're essentially in charge. They're yep. in charge of the assets, making the distributions, the decisions, making sure that everything's compliant, all of the, the, the tax compliance and all the legal side of things as well. Um, in terms of benefits, we've, we've pretty much gone through them all already. It gives you that flexibility. You get access to that CGT discount if you are going to use it as a, um, a trading vehicle, a trading entity as opposed to a company. Um, and something as well to touch on is what you see a lot of the time in practice is that someone will set up a company and they'll have individual shareholders because they didn't want to pay for a trust at the start. Mm -hmm. And then they'll, they'll say, oh, I think it, I, I want to trust now. But it's not that simple. There are, there are rollovers. Underlying ownership is really important. So depending on what type of trust you use and what avenue you go down, 
sometimes, I'd say more than sometimes, you don't you won't apply for those CGT discounts because the underlying ownership is the same. So if you want to set up a trust and transfer that over, transfer your company shares over to a trust further down the track, that can trigger a capital. That will trigger a capital gain event. It will trigger the capital gain. So it's super important to invest that money at the start. Um, again, consult with your own advisor. Give us a call. We're happy to, to run through some different scenarios, but it's super important to have a thorough understanding of how that works because it's not something you can just in, click your fingers, switch it over, and then smooth sailing. It's not that easy. That's why it's important to set your business structure up properly from the start so you don't run into um, some of these issues further down the track. Yeah, spot on. And I think it's really important, especially when you're starting up, that you're doing the research. Mm that you're making sure you do it properly. And this isn't hard. It's one phone call to an accountant. Like yeah. it, it, it's that simple. Invest and the money, invest the money at the start. And we're not talking about exuberant amounts no. either. No, it's, it's a lot of the time cheaper than car insurance and you pay that every year. Yeah, for sure. Like from a comparative point car of view. Car insurance is a rip off. <laughs> <laughs> everyone can agree yeah. on that yeah um, but you're spot on you're spot on well, it's um it's expensive yeah so and at, at the start it's you probably don't use it for a while because you know it's contingent on you being profitable and having dividends to distribute you know if you're using it in that sort of um sense but it's one of those things where you'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it yeah 100 100 100 so the trusts, they, they have all their advantages. There are some of the, the disadvantages. It's more compliance work. Um, it's keeping another set of accounts. There can be issues with beneficiaries having arguments. Like that, that can also come into play where there are dis- distributes between beneficiaries. And the last point is the changes in current regulatory environments, which is Section 100A. It's an anti-avoidance rule that applies where a beneficiary's trust entitlement ro- arose from a reimbursement agreement. Again, we can go over this and it can it can take as long as you want to, to discuss it. Do you have a do you have a one line summary, Daniel? <laughs> to this super complex issue that's going it's cases going through the courts at the moment. So it's still very early stages, but and there's I a lot of accounting bodies that disagree with this yeah. ruling as well, just to be sort of completely transparent. And I don't know if I agree with it because it's creating extra complexities in a, an area that's already complex. Yep. And all, all the ATOs I've done here is more or less confused, not just taxpayers, but the accountants who are preparing it. Um, anyway, that's a complete different rant. Yeah. Um, in summary, just be careful who you distribute money to, in particular the adult kids. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're distributing hundreds of thousands of dollars to your adult children um, and, you know, you're not spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on them, it's going to be very difficult to sort of justify. Yeah, for that sure. That makes sense. For sure. And, like, the main the main purpose of 100A, the the ATO, they, they, they want to stop, like, they want to stop people from reducing their tax. That, that's – Sim- simply put, yeah. it, it, it's- it, They don't want you to push money around where it's, like on that example where that yeah. family's going to save that 12 grand, call it over 10 years. Mm. If, they, if they're distributing money to adult children or, or other people, like that's what they're trying to stop. They're trying to stop that saving, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, and you know, our job is to prove that they are, you know, beneficially entitled yeah. and, and have the right records in place because we've said on multiple episodes before, yeah. record keeping is key to everything. 
you know, keep good records, have everything tracked, have an understanding of why you do things. Don't just sort of go out and do them. If you yep. need help, ask the questions. Record keeping is key. Spot on. So that that's pretty much everything that we wanted to cover in terms of trusts and how they work. So we went through the four main types of trusts that we do see in practice being discretionary trust, also referred to as family trusts, unit trusts, hybrid trusts, and fixed trusts. We ran through a couple of examples and also how these trusts work in a tax scenario and played out what that looks like in, in, in the real world. Touched on the trustee responsibilities and what they're required to do and how that works. And I think the the main benefits we ran, we definitely ran through the main benefits of having a trust. And I think my one takeaway from today is that invest that money at the start. If you, again, if you're setting up as a company structure and we'll touch on that in the next episode for this mini series, if you're setting up in a company structure, in, invest that money at the start to have that flexibility where you can have a, a, a discretionary trust or any type of trust holding the shares. I think we, from just a business onset view, this is where it's so important to have capital. Don't go in empty handed because yeah. when you start taking shortcuts, a lot of the time shortcuts have consequences and it's not now, it's later down the track. And you see straight away, you know, someone comes across saying, oh, I want to move to a trust now. And we see retained earnings of, you know, call it 1.5 million. So cool. Yeah. Now, yeah. Retain, now, retained earnings being profits in the company. That company now has been value. Retained. Yeah. yeah. There's value in that company. So how, how do you want me to transfer these shares that have value from, from a capital sense to a family trust? You can't. Yeah. You know, one, whether, whether it's poor advice at the start or if it was um, just trying to save costs, it's just not worth it's it. It's not the area to do it. It's the, the spot Build on. your own website. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't pay two, three grand for a website. Yeah. Spot on. Or, or take slightly less. Yeah. Yes. You know, call some subscriptions, sell your car and downsize, you know, what car you have. You might have a, a brand new Mercedes. Maybe it's time to go to a Toyota. Um, cut it somewhere else. This is not the area, especially things that have long-term effects and that can't be changed later. You need to do it properly from the start, even if you have to spend a couple thousand extra. For sure. Couldn't agree more. Our next episode is probably going to be a fun one because that's the most common structure for small businesses. So we'll be, we doing, be doing that in the next episode. If anyone's got any questions, ask them in the show notes and we'll get we'll get back to you. Any questions on sole trader, partnership, any of the partnerships you went through and any of today's trusts or any questions in general? Yeah. And I think before we finish it up, try not to set your own trust up to save a couple of dollars as well. Yeah. Because you have someone who's done it before, who knows how to do it, can do it properly, whether it's a, an accountant, a solicitor, you know, we all sort of are, are in that space. Make sure it's the right fit for you. Yeah. Because what we're saying now might apply to scenarios that don't apply to you. So figure out what benefit you're going to have and make sure that benefit is custom to you. Because that's the whole point of the trust, right? Have that custom flexibility. Yeah just for you. For sure, for sure. And if anyone wants a hand with that, um, you can book a free strategy call with myself or Daniel. Link to that's in the show notes. Daniel, always a pleasure, my friend. Jordan, see you at the company session. Company session, oh yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of the Australian Business Podcast. I think this series is best served with my free business course on Rask Education. My free course includes all of my notes, templates, employment guides, 
legal documents, marketing strategies, software recommendation, and ideas for starting and running a small business. Finally, if this podcast or the course helps you, I only ask that you please help me by sharing it with one friend, colleague, or family member who runs a business. Thanks for listening.